I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. Welcome. Today we're going back to old school ways, Linda. We're going to look at a Reddit <laughs> post, see what we have going on. So, in this Reddit post, there's a concern that a parent has because their child's in therapy and she and her ex uh, had agreed to rotate the weeks when they were going to take the child to therapy. I think they have week on week off visitation, it seems. And so now, despite their agreement, her ex has started showing up every week. And yesterday there was an altercation in the waiting room and they had to be separated and they're asking for advice She's asking for advice on keeping him from manipulating the therapy. Now, this therapy is intensive pediatric therapy. That's how she has identified it. They initially did their intake together, and then that's when they made their agreement to rotate weeks unless the therapist, unless the therapist was asking both of them to be there. There are weekly appointments. On his week, she insists on being there. The therapist is trying to send them a message, it seems, because the therapist is just coming out, getting the kid, taking the kid back. Right. But the parents are They're not taking causing the a hint. problem. They're not taking the hint, and a problem's being caused. Uh, mom's putting it 100% on dad. The dad's the one being intrusive, um, possibly, right? That's possibly the case. But usually we find that there's something going on both ways. Her concern is that he's going to manipulate the therapy, that the only reason he wants to be there is so he can put his thumb on the scale of whatever this therapy is. Uh, I would imagine they're probably in the midst of some sort of litigation. But this last week, it was real bad. They took the daughter back without speaking to them. And then while they were waiting, they got into a disagreement. She says it turned ugly. He yelled at one of the office workers, and she's at a complete loss. Linda, I'm sure you've experienced something like this before. Only in almost every case. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite parts of being online with all my therapy now. Right, yeah. They cannot come into the waiting room. Or they right. can. But I will tell them in a little chat, sorry, it's not your day. So it seems like... Let's take her perception as accurate. It seems like dad is thinking there's some advantage to him showing up to the therapy sessions and being there regardless of what their agreement was. But I don't, it's not clear to me that the therapist was apprised initially of the agreement that the parent who currently had custody would bring the child and that would be the only parent who came. But I have to imagine that mom has expressed that to the therapist, especially after this last week. So this brings up a problem that happens a lot anyway. If you are a provider of any kind, it could be a dentist, orthodontist. You wouldn't believe the stories I've heard about orthodontists and or a primary care doctor, speech therapy, you name it. All the different things you take a child to that 
if one parent has traditionally been the one to take the child, usually the mother, and then when a separation or divorce is in process, typically the other parent wants to be involved more. And all those providers may not be aware of what's transpiring with the court. They may not have any kind of training about what they could or should do to make it easier on their office in terms of setting boundaries around who is to bring the child, in terms of finding out who has what kind of custody. Know what I mean? Yeah. And so it creates a, a couple of different pickles. So on one hand, at least we have seen uh, providers firing kids totally. as clients because it just is not worth the hassle. And that's really sad because if that provider has spent very much time with the child, like the individual therapist, they are comfortable with them and they don't want to switch and yeah. it's not their fault. Right. Right. I mean, from my perspective, I think it's the parents who should be fired from the office because if they don't have an active role. To, so let's say, for example, you've got a child who is profoundly disabled and they have occupational therapy or some other types of therapy. And the parent has to be there because the parent needs to be educated in what the child's working on so that the parent can continue that work at home so the child can make progress. Then you have to have a parent involved in the actual treatment. But if it's your normal kid who's going to the dentist or the pediatrician or a child who's in counseling, but it's not, the parent doesn't need to be in the room, then from my perspective, if there's any gamesmanship or any conflict whatsoever, then neither parent should step foot except to drop the child off and then to make payment if they need to make payment. But Neither parent should be given the indication that there's any possibility of advantage of being the one to be present. Right. Now, many times I will, especially after an evaluative kind of stage of therapy with a child, whatever the presenting issue was, after I've assessed some things going on there and may need to impart some information to the parents. I'll send out an email update to both of them, or I'll give homework to the parent that brought them. And then the next time I see the child, I'll give the same kind of homework to that parent so that I can touch base with each of them, whoever brings to see what they're doing with the homework. Right. Right. So there it's even then though, it's not so much that the parent is gaining advantage by being there Oh no, because you could totally provide the same information to the parent by email. Right. So it's the idea that the parent has that I'm going to be able to gain some advantage by being there. And that's what an individual session with the parent is about when you do an intake or if the parent needs an individual either update kind of individual session or something I need to coach the parent on that's going to take longer than two minutes in the waiting room. 
right. then they need their own appointment. So what do you think the resolution to this situation should be? I think it is incumbent on the providers, whoever they are, to set the boundaries. First of all, find out up front who's got what kind of custody. Um, if it's a therapist, especially, don't know that it's something that a, a medical doctor or orthodontist or a dentist or somebody might take the time to figure out because they don't usually see them that often anyway. Right. But especially a therapist, and especially if you hear up front that something is going on court-wise, you just might find yourself subpoenaed in a few months to come to court because you have seen this child who's in the middle of this ordeal with the court. So it's very important for you up front to know what the temporary order is when the child is with each parent. Um, find out what the contact information is for the other parent. And this is even if I'm not doing a court-ordered case, I, I want to find out how to contact the other parent. I get their permission to see the child, especially if it's joint custody. And I invite them to be a part of the process. If they say, it's okay if you see my child, I just don't want to have to come in. Then, okay, we document that. And I move on with the one parent bringing the child. Right. Right. And I think as if this were brought to me as a parenting coordinator, one, I think I would want to talk to the doctor's office to find out what actually happened. If this parent yes. yelled at one of the workers, I want to figure out yes. exactly what was going on. Um, and if you hear that that doctor has fired the parents, then did an altercation occur? And what did happen if they know? Right, exactly. And then I think if the, if the parents can't set the boundaries and if the doctor's offices aren't equipped to set the boundaries, especially if, like you said, it's a six-month dentist checkup or something like that, or a well kid visit, not something that's like every week or every other week, then I think it needs to be established in a court order, the boundaries, since the parents clearly are not able to do it themselves. And that's not necessarily saying that the mom's doing anything wrong. From what she says, there's not necessarily an indication that she is. And, you know, maybe she's not. But she needs help setting a boundary, even from her perspective, as she's written this, because she can't force him not to come. And this is one of those things, whenever I see something, and this actually rings true to me, when I hear her say, he said it's his legal right to be there. It was there before I arrived. I hear that so much. And it gets into that possessory nature. I'm more concerned about my legal rights than I am concerned about whether my child's going to be comfortable, whether my ex is going to be comfortable, whether I'm intruding on this doctor's office with drama that doesn't need to be there. If right. it's a 
if it's a therapy practice in which there are multiple practitioners and you've got multiple potential patients who are waiting there, you've made all of them uncomfortable. And if you're, and if you have a person and let's say that it says this intensive pediatric therapy. So let me just go down this road and presume that it's a practice with multiple providers. So you might have multiple children in a waiting room who are already in a position where they unfortunately need this kind of therapy. So now, either before or after the session, you've exposed them to additional traumatizing those children. Right, before they go into their session, which is going to interfere with their counseling. There's just ripple effects that all result, apparently, from one adult person saying, I'm putting my conception of my legal right over everyone else's needs. Which is me speaks volumes. Had those kinds of situations happen that when I came out to get my next child client, they would be telling me about an altercation in the waiting room Mm. because I was in a large practice. Yeah. Right. It's just it's so selfish for someone to do that. And it's and it it just worries me because from my perspective, if someone is willing to act that way in public and they're treating the child as a possession in public, what are they doing in private? What kinds of things are they saying in private? They don't seem to have much of a filter or their sense of entitlement is sufficient to overcome whatever filter they have. So, Oh, well, maybe the dad needs some intensive pediatric therapy. Ooh, <laughs> maybe it will. That's the best we'll, light of all. <laughs> I'm being snarky. Something about I doing like these that. Reddit posts brings out the snark in me, Linda. I do not know what it is. Maybe that's why I like these. Maybe. All right. Well, we'll do another one. Anything else? This is a short one. Anything else before we wrap this sucker up? It might be short, but it's so important and it comes up so often and You've really got to do your best to behave in these providers' offices because they really don't have to put up with you, and their right. staff doesn't. And their staff, guess what? They're going to tell the provider what you have been doing in the waiting room right? every time. Right. Right. And... You know, from a litigation perspective, usually we don't like to, I don't like to interfere with these practices. They're so busy. And for some of them, the margins are thinner than you would think. And having to do the work of responding to a subpoena or taking time out to come to court is expensive for everybody and interferes with lots of people. And so I really don't like to get into that if I can ever help it. But this gentleman is setting himself up for... I'm sure interesting notes because people don't realize that these doctor's offices keep notes that are more full than you would think with more observations than you might think are in these doctor offices notes. Um, So he's just setting himself up and he's going to increase the cost of litigation. And if he's found to have been the person who caused the problem, he's going to wind up paying for it probably. So yes, they document a lot from the very first phone call to that office going forward. They've got your number. If you're going to be a problem. 
For sure. Because a lot of times you have to think about this person who's sitting at the front desk. They want to protect their job. So the kind of person who's coming in causing a ruckus is the kind of person who's going to falsely say that they did something inappropriate. They're going to document early and often, I think. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for today. Hopefully these folks can get some proper boundaries and uh, we wish strength for that poor therapist's office to get through this ordeal. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.